I was just really unhappy. I just felt really alone. I think the main, the major part for me is not having a sense of community. And as humans, we need that. And I mm -hmm. find it so hard to find it. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with survivors. I'm going to keep trying. Special thanks to all the survivors who have joined me here on this podcast uh, since we launched in July of 2020, which means we are almost at two years now. And of course, a ginormous thanks to all of our listeners. I really do appreciate it. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted, and you can leave us a recorded message if that is your jam. I will put a link to how to do that in the show notes. And finally, we are talking about suicide on this podcast, as the title suggests. Please take that into account before you listen or as you're listening. It may not be a good fit for everybody, but I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Georgia. Georgia lives in England and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hello, Georgia. Hey. Where are you in England? I'm in the West Midlands. It's like, just like the middle of the United Kingdom, pretty much. What's, what's the football team that people support there more than others? I don't know, maybe Arsenal. Oh, so, okay, that's a, that's the London team. Yeah, there is, there's like a Shrewsbury football team, but people don't really support it. <laughs> it's not very good. All right, so you are Georgia. You're in the West Midlands of England. Yes. And we are talking. I am in North Carolina. That is really cool. I wish I was in the United in States. North, oh, but North Carolina specifically? Okay. I didn't get that a lot, but. Just sure. anywhere, anywhere in the United States just seems a lot better over there. Right. <laughs> it is. We are better. We're better people. We're better. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for meeting. Okay. I know you were running around and you were coming from somewhere. So you are in your apartment in the West Midlands. You in England somehow stumbled across a podcast called Suicide Noted. Yeah. Well, I'm going through a very, very, very hard time. Probably one of the hardest times in my life. And I was just typing in stuff because I wanted to find maybe some some kind of because a lot of podcasts that talk about self-help but not mm. really real raw stories it was interesting to find a podcast that really just didn't filter things and didn't just like try to say oh it gets better it's like people talking about their experiences right so you're going through hard times yes I'm going through a very hard time you find the podcast you hear me you hear them you like the fact that it's raw. I'm glad about that. I'll let you start it however kind of you want to as to where it begins, because I know that actually can be quite challenging. Yeah, I, I saw the, the kind of document that you sent and I wrote out like answers to all of them. Oh, good. It's like, what was your life like before? But it's hard to kind of say because there have been like three major periods 
So the audience doesn't get this document that I send. Just so we're clear, I send several questions. We typically get to most of them. One of them is what was your life like before? Another way to ask that question is sort of where does it begin, right? I guess it begins in childhood. I had a pretty, a normal-ish childhood. Like my parents were together and I had a school. I went to school. I lived in a small village, but it was a pretty traumatic experience, my childhood when I think about mental illness now, before, when I was struggling when I was younger, I would be like, why is this happening? Like, this makes no sense. Like, why do I feel so depressed? Why do I feel so down? Like, but looking on it now, it just makes total sense. It's exactly why I'm in this point now, because you can just trace it all the way back. And it's like your brain trying to keep it safe from different things and experiences and how it reacts to things like based on childhood and parenting and social environments. As a kid, like I've been super active. I was, I'm so creative and I'm always creating things like learning things and bubbly, but like it was a social aspect of childhood that I think really just was not healthy for me. Like um, I had a lot of traumatic childhood friendships where like my friends would abandon me. And then I would have the belief that people always abandon me. And so I would end up sabotaging those relationships and that leaves you isolated. <laughs> but basically, uh, when I was younger, I developed depression. I had an attempt then when I was like literally such a young child. And I was just like, OK, this is not OK. I need to get help. So I asked for help and the doctors kind of dismissed it. That was horrible because I'm like, well, I'm reaching out for help. That was super mm. hard to reach out for help. And then they're just like, oh, you're not sick enough. When you say you had an attempt when you were young, how young were you? Well, I... The first one was actually like 15, but I was like really self-harming when I was around 12, 13, 14, 15. Cutting? Yeah. Yeah. At 15, do you remember what was happening that you kind of went to the next, like, it wasn't just cutting, it was... I mean, I'd been through anorexia because depression and anxiety turned into something so much worse because it was left untreated. Mm -hmm. And that was my way of controlling things. So... I was just on the outside of anorexia. So I just recovered from it and I'd left with no purpose and I'd isolate myself again. I had no friends. I was just finishing school, which I didn't enjoy. And I was just kind of just left with just a mess. I felt, and I didn't know how to get out because I hadn't had the proper help and I still really haven't to deal with these underlying traumas that had been compounding over the years. And it's like, I can't deal with this anymore. I want a way out. And so it was like the night of my prom for high school. And I was, that was like going into that event. I was like, this is the last time I'm going to see everyone here. I'm going to like say my goodbyes, but like, obviously they wouldn't know. And then I went home and tried to bleed to death, I guess. You cut yourself fun. deep, try to cut. Yeah. Did it um, cause, yeah, what happened? I had a really deep gash in my arm, which I needed stitches for. I didn't pass out or anything. Um, but I started to feel like really lightheaded. And then I can't really remember what happened because when I'm in a, a really major traumatic kind of headspace, kind of forget what happens. Mm. But I think I remember I had a boyfriend at the time and I was like, I've done something really stupid and I'm in a lot of pain and there's a lot of blood and I don't know what to do. Um, and so I think he came and kind of told my parents and took me to a psychiatric hospital of which I kind of lied my way out, which I don't recommend doing. Hang on. I will say people who've heard the podcast know I've had an experience at a hospital. 
I would agree with you for what it's worth not to do that, but I understand why one might do that. It just is a really intimidating environment to be in. I've said this before. In some ways, it's kind of the opposite of the place some people need. Yeah. After that experience, I was like 16. And then I kind of bumbled my way through college. Not really. I just threw myself into academic work and my art. I was still very, very in a horrible headspace, but I was on like medication and it made me stable-ish. And then I had another attempt where it was like a railway line. Go on. <laughs> so I was I was just really unhappy mm-hmm. and I just felt really alone. I think the main, the major part for me is not having a sense of community. And as humans, we need that. And mm-hmm. I find it so hard to, to find it. And really connect with people because I'm quite like a, a naturally deep thinker and I have like a lot of ambition as well. And I find I, I really find it hard to connect with people who are just kind of interested in, I don't know, politics or the current affairs or like TikTok and stuff. <laughs> I do not have any research on this, but I believe rather strongly that isolation, loneliness, which are overlap a tremendous amount, that is the number one reason why people end their lives. Yeah. More than guns, more yeah. than drugs. They're all, it's a mishmash of chaos and confusion and problems. And I'm not yeah. saying depression isn't a made untreated depression. Isolation, loneliness is the thing. It is. And my intuition kind of knew that because every time I've asked out for help, it's like, I need to community. I need community. It's like a broken record. I'm asking people, doctors, like I need community, not medication. I need community. And it's just like, it doesn't happen. Uh, Because it's really hard to find it. I don't know why it's so hard to find community. (laughs) And when you have like severe depression and I have PTSD now, so it makes it even harder to just kind of go out there and make that bridge the huge gap that you feel. How old are you now? I'm 20 now. May I just rewind for one moment? Yeah. The train tracks. How old were you? I was 18 then. Maybe a weird question. That seems like a rather tough way to go for me from my point of view train tracks train tracks i can understand why some people and i'm not endorsing any of this can understand why some people might do pills hope they go to sleep kind of understand the gun Mm. and i guess the train works pretty fast too if you're going to be on train tracks you're going to die fast but so Mm. i assume that you got off the tracks before the train came i allowed two trains to pass with the intention of going in front of them but it's just so scary they're so big, like monsters coming at you. And I was just like, I can't do this. All of these things are such traumatic experiences, which I haven't processed and it's still compounding. But somehow I was like, okay, it was like up until these points, I've managed to kind of pull myself out Mm. of those states gradually. Mm -hmm. I'd never really fallen completely into the abyss and the void. So in 2020, after I've left college, I, I, always, I was on a trajectory to go to university because that's what you do. But I've always had like a, a rebellious streak and I didn't really like the way the society is structured. And I'd seen a, like a lot about entrepreneurship and different ways to kind of make it on social media. So I decided to not go to university and go solo traveling. And I was then falling into a multi-level marketing scheme, which is like a pyramid scheme sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that was its own thing on itself <laughs> but obviously I had to stop after time because it's very toxic environment not a good way to to make money well no well, not only not I mean I'm curious how much money you lost oh seven grand that was like my whole life savings and I was traveling at the same time seven thousand pounds yes 
is it worth calling them out so people other people who hear it might not get stuck it into oh, that? Yeah. I guess the way that you can probably spot them on social media, especially is if people are portraying a lifestyle of like freedom and saying you can make money from home by selling these products. They just generally love to push the idea of a freedom lifestyle, often saving the planet. They have like ethical products and stuff. Uh, I have actually made a two hour like kind of video documentary on YouTube about my experience and then interviewing other people and then showing the facts, like why these things are legal and happening. Can we say the name of this particular group or no? I was in the group and Nagic, um, but there's so many. There's like yeah. Arbon, there's like, sure. I don't know, it's just a lot of them around. So just to be clear here, challenging childhood, kind of in the middle of nowhere. She's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Dealing with stuff at 15 years old, you uh, attempt with a, with a blade. Three years later, you are at a railroad, railroad tracks. Two trains go by. You obviously don't go in front of either of them. I didn't ask this one question, and then we can kind of keep going forward if that's okay. Was what was different about eighteen or fifteen, or was it just three more years of really hard stuff, and you had just had? Yeah, it's just three more years of the pressure from school, the pressure from society, and the pressure of being on social media turned into pressure from myself and having to succeed in some way because I'm someone who's like been naturally gifted with like a lot of creativity and um, intelligence and I guess like different skills which I feel I should be using in some way mm. to mm. make the world a better place or impact and it's I haven't got a lot of guidance to kind of know where to put my skills or how to develop them and so I feel pretty lost mm-hmm. and yeah it's a school it was mainly the isolation of just me hating the education system and not knowing what I want to do with my life at that point. Sure. And but and so two trains go up, but you leave this the, the railroad tracks. You walked away. Yeah, I was shaking. <laughs> okay. Scary. Yeah. I and, was on the phone to like a suicide, not hotline, but Samaritans. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. don't try to talk you out of it. I guess I was crying out for help. I wanted something to change. I wasn't like actually in this is I'm gonna die. But my most recent one is like you I wanna die. It's interesting what you just shared about the Samaritans that they don't try to talk you out of it. That's a, mm, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that at the point, and I was kind of getting angry at them, like, "Why are you not trying to like help me?" But it's kind of nice in a way that they're like, "You can use your free will to to do whatever you want with it," rather than saying, "No, it gets better. No, you have to just find help and stuff." It's like they they listen, I guess. And a lot of people like don't like Samaritans, but. It seems counterintuitive, but I will add to that. I met the guy who was known for, I don't know his exact role, but he was the guy on the Golden Gate Bridge, authority position, cop, or I don't know exactly. And I met him at a conference. As best I can recall, he said something very similar. I said, what did you say? He said, I didn't really say much. I listened. I didn't tell him what to do. Yeah. And I think also he mentioned, he didn't save everyone. No. What's the time between... Uh, the railroad tracks and the multi-level marketing and traveling. I just finished college. I was I I was in the COVID hit when I was like doing my exams, which I'm actually really glad that it happened that I didn't finish college in the normal way because I think I would have died, like burned out so hard because I was studying like so much to get like these grades because I thought that is what's going to get me validated and feel better. So I, after the exams, yeah, I just went traveling. And then I, after that, I was like, 
like you're gonna have to do a proper business because I was still set on this business idea and I still kind of am and so I moved to London because I'm very I seem to be very impulsive and so I moved to London tried to make this business work but I find it hard to focus on one thing I tend to compare myself to people and I was just I was doing this business which I've never I've never learned about business before I was doing this on my own I was also taking art commissions I was doing photography I had my own YouTube channel and a podcast. I was doing so much. Long story short, I burned out then. And then I was also sexually assaulted many times in London. And it just compounded. It's just really hard. (laughs) It's just really hard what what I just kind of was put through uh, my whole life. Wow. Um, Fuck. Just to be clear, so I'm tracking and the audience can track. The thing that you went to London for, is that the MLM you were talking about? No, that was the proper business that I wanted to do, which is in sustainable fashion. It just seems like it's happening a lot if you're only 20. It seems like you did like 10 years in two years. Yeah, that's how I feel too. And that's why I'm probably like wanting to give up entirely because I'm like, well, I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've suffered it all. I'm done. So you lose the money, but you get yourself to London. You have a YouTube channel on what, photography? No, this YouTube channel was completely separate to photography as well. That was about like kind of making short films-ish, making little like self-help-ish videos, but not like the the pushy stuff, kind of like an alternative way, but it was just too much. That's a lot. And what was the podcast about? That was called Rising Above. So I would interview like different professionals of health and wellness. Wow. Just kind of trying to get people to like rise above all this, the shit that happens and give them some advice. Um, for anyone who wanted to listen and sharing stories as well. So I've got a podcaster here I'm talking to. Mm, interesting. I, mean, I, st- I had to stop doing all of it because I had no. a, a, a complete mental breakdown. Oh, we're, get- we're getting there. We're getting there. We're not going to, we're not going to skip over that. You were mentioning also there's some PTSD potentially connected to being in such a state where you almost in your life, you go on and you don't really deal with it. It's like, no. what the, I tried to. I was like, I'm asking for like counseling and anything that can help. And it's like the doctors are clueless on how to how to deal with it. And school, the schools were like, you're fine. You, your grades are doing amazing. Like you're fine. <laughs> and I'm like, help me, please. <laughs> so in a way, it's even more like, I don't know if the word's tragic, but it's like, wow, you were trying. Some people are like, I'm just going to yeah. do my own thing. I'm going to get on with it, so to speak. You actually were like, I want help. And for the most part, people were saying, you don't really need it. There's not much we can do for you. There's that and there's, the ones that would say just go on medication or try counseling, but it's like the counselors didn't, they didn't fully understand me because I seem to have a complex situation where there's a lot of stuff to unpack. And I think that the counselors I saw maybe weren't trained in, or they couldn't spot what was like the problem, the root problem. I also have a theory and this is just Sean's random theory. I think people who present very well, well-spoken, intelligent, articulate. I just don't know if they do as much digging because there's a sense of they're Mm -hmm. okay. And there's plenty of therapists who would hear that and be like, that's absurd. I do think there's a little sense. I think so. If nothing else in common exchanges with people, when I present people, like you're you're good. You're probably rich and happy and have a great wife. And it's like, oh, none of that is accurate. Yeah. People like to make assumptions. All right. So- London sucks. 
or is there were really good times there were good times in london for sure and traveling and throughout all of this there were good times as well it's not all doom and gloom but right you were busy the lows were low and the highs were really high and do you think that you were and were or have and you this might be an annoying question a diagnosis that is accurate you said ptsd yeah i mean the diagnosis they kind of overlap I think the trauma from childhood, especially the social aspect, was the root, which led to depression, which led to anxiety, which led to trying to control my life through anorexia, which I don't have now. And then the the depression has just been a constant thing. Um, but then I was diagnosed with PTSD and ADHD, which explains my hyperactivity in London, like trying to do this, 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 this all the time. And the people I was surrounded with were like, you need to slow down. Like you are <laughs> going way too fast and you can't hold a thought down for a second. Were you doing, were you drinking or drugging at all? No, I've never touched that stuff purely because I know I would probably go into a spiral with it. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to give myself the kind of the boundary of like, you can't do this. Maybe sensitive. So you can say, nah, I don't want to talk about that. But you kind of mentioned quickly more than one sexual assault. I would imagine for most people, that's heavy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the way I dealt with that was just to kind of dissociate and pretend it didn't happen. And then it just, it all collapsed. It all collapsed. It's like, oh crap, no, it actually did happen. I want help. So I reached out for help and they were like, your case is too complex. We can't help you. And I'm like, are you kidding? What am I supposed to do? When was that about when that moment when, when you was, realized that they couldn't help you or they weren't helping you? When was that? This was like November last year because I'd been on a waiting list for a few organizations. And then when they all kind of came back and were like, yeah, we can't help you. It's just kind of like hopelessness. It's like, well, I can't seem to help myself. I've tried to help myself multiple times in my life. And every time I kind of have some kind of like depression breakdown or whatever, it just gets worse. It doesn't seem to get easier to deal with. It gets worse because the problems are still there. You can do so much with self-help, but like true healing, I feel like you need someone else. Yeah. November of 2021. I want to hear about the last attempt, which I'm imagining is around that time or shortly after. Um, Yeah, it was actually like last week. Okay. I've had a few conversations when it was really recent. I always was, I'm always like, are we good to talk about this? Yeah. From that point in November, 2021 to the four months before the last most recent attempt last week, how many people in your life? Cause I know you have a mom, you mentioned your mom, other people in your life, be they family or friends know Georgia's fucking struggling. And I think it's getting worse. Yeah. There are quite a few people, but no one seems to know how to help. And the way I'm presenting myself now is like very articulate. Most of the time I'm like, not like this. I'm very shut down. Um, But there are people who know, but they just don't know how to help. I'm at a point where I've asked for help so many times and I've like told my story to many like psychiatrists and mental health people and doctors. And it's, it's like exhausting. In order for, to, to get help, you have to want to help yourself. And when you get to the point of like, true suicidal thoughts you kind of don't want it's it's like hard to help yourself because you're like I just want to end it and so you can't Mm -hmm. see a future you don't want to be in the future and so it's hard for anyone to even help you at that point sure Hmm. all right so last week or in March 2022 
You're in the West Midlands of Georgia, of, not of Georgia. <laughs> There's no West Midlands in Georgia, as far as I know. Georgia's in the West Midlands, yes. I tried to do it and I had to come back. And there's a sense of failure, which is really fun. And then my parents are like, we, sh- we told you, you should, you should have done what we said, should have gone to uni. And, and like, you're living alone? I am now. Okay. For better or worse, isolation. Mm, even more isolated. Last week, are you home? Yeah. What do you do? I don't know if I want to say it because it's such an effective way okay. to die that I wouldn't want to give anyone ideas. And just so for the audience's sake, George and I just had a conversation about her attempt with an exceptionally, well, how would we, how would we frame this effective method? And we're not going to effective and peaceful. Yeah. Right. It's like a so, way that a lot of people would want to die. You didn't go through with it, but like the railroad tracks, it sounds like you were very close. Yeah. You went to the lengths of coming so close, which took some work. Yeah. It sounds like, and research and other things. And what, what do you know what it was that you're like, no. Because I do a lot of thinking because I have a lot of time where I'm just alone. And I was just thinking like, there's this sinister part of me that would end my life. And that's so like tragic that there's like a part of me that would want to just end my life when I have so much potential and talent in this world. And I just remember like feeling the wind from my window, which was open just on my face. And I'm like, I'm never going to feel this wind again. I'm never going to feel the sun again. Also. There are some beliefs that if you kind of kill yourself, you're doomed to kind of carry on that narrative into different lives and stuff. I don't know if I believe it. Hmm. I guess it's a kind of like karma or I don't know. But some people believe that like if you're if you kill yourself in this life, you just you're going to have to work it out in some other way and kind of release whatever thing you're holding is going to carry on to the next wherever you go. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And it's like, well, I have to sort it out in this life then. <laughs> Maybe so. And when you, Maybe. when I got that first email from you, was that before or after last week's? That was actually before. Do you know what that makes me think about? What? If you're an attempt survivor and you want to be on with me, I say yes. There's no, there's no like, I would never say no. But plenty of people don't follow up, don't respond back. And I'm wondering... They Were they like you, but they, they went through with it. I would imagine there are probably people like that because it's been almost yeah. two years we've been doing this and maybe. It's really hard. So how do you feel about being alive? It's been a week. It's really hard because it's like, well, I haven't been taking care of my body the way I used to. I haven't been trying to further my career, even though there's a constant pressure in the back of my mind of like, you have to be doing something. You have to be achieving. You have to be doing something, which is absurd when you're so mentally ill and haven't processed so much stuff. Like, how can you be thinking about that <laughs> if you haven't done that anyway? It's just like tiring. Every time I wake up, it's like, I have to face this now. It's not like the easy way out of like, you don't have to worry about any responsibilities. It's like, you have to sort your life out now. And it's, it's a lot to unpack. And I'm still in the same situation. Right. That's actually where I was going to go with this is you've said you need community. Yeah. Which applies to just about everybody, but we're just talking about you. You said for the most part, the medical establishment hasn't been much help. This is, this is a a toxic combination of things. Dangerous. Dangerous. I have like all the odds against me pretty much. And I'm still freaking alive. (laughs) Is that 
thing that you used or almost used last week? Is that still in your home? No, I have a friend. I have a singular friend in my town and he confiscated it because <laughs> I did tell him. So he's the only one who knows? Two people. More people now. Yeah. How many people, how much support do you have? Yeah, I have a few friends. Like friends for me have been like a very come and go thing, which is, is very normal for humans to like have friends and then lose them and then gain them and lose different people. Like all the people in my life, generally I haven't known for like more than six months. Mm. So it's it's quite rocky, but I find it very easy to deeply connect with people because I'm just an open person, I guess. I'm not afraid to be like myself, especially with one-on-one. Um, but they're not like professionals or anything. Um, I did have like a psychiatrist who I was referred to, but they didn't really, they didn't really do much. I actually, cause I've been through the mental health system in the UK before and it wasn't helpful. And I felt like they dismissed me quite a lot. Um, mm. even though I know they were trying to help, it's just like, they didn't seem to have the right toolbox. So I, I got really angry at like the psychiatrist and the people who were kind of trying to help me. Because I didn't feel listened to and I felt like they had no idea about like how to deal with trauma. Like they everyone kind of thinks like different like CBT or medication is like the thing that can help. But with trauma, it's like so different, like the layers of it. I don't know. I just got really angry at them because I was like, why (laughs) why are you helping? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but like they were trying to help. And I got discharged from them like a few weeks ago because I was like. There's no point me being under you. And was there also at all a sense, this may not have come up, where your anger towards them was just yet another example in their eyes of your problems and why you're there in the first place? And it gets this like weird. Yeah, I guess. I think. I don't know if that makes sense. I got out of control. Because like before I'd be pretty calm and collected when I first met them. But then when nothing was improving, I started to just get angry, but not really at them, but more at the system. Yeah because uh, they're part of the system and yeah they just kept saying well I'm sorry we don't have like enough funding and stuff and I'm like well <laughs> what am I supposed to do then yeah and you're talking about trauma so it's not just someone listening well you, yeah. you need help to figure out or, or or heal from trauma which is usually complicated yeah yeah and I feel like there's like a lot of collective trauma within like the whole world as well that could do with healing. Well, I wonder what that would look like. Yeah, I wonder. There are a lot of people like trying, they're doing their best. There's people like Peter Levine and Bessel van Kolk and different like psychologists who are talking about this stuff. And even like listening to them talking could be a form of healing for people and unlocking some things. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's about being com- compassionate towards each other and not like seeing everyone as like so different. So different. And also, I think, to some degree, competition. Yeah, that has been a big part of like comparison, especially yeah. with social media. It's yeah. it's like a plague. <laughs> and if you can't, if you don't know how to use it properly. Right. It's like it can run rampant. You can pay off to everyone. You go into a spiral. Yeah. I mean, think about I don't know how the school system is there now. Um, most schools here, the moment you're about six or seven, more or less, you get this grade, they get that grade. I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah. Grades might be fine, but you automatically there's just this fight for being supreme. And then yes. that carries on into sports, that carries on into jobs. 
if they get it, I don't have it. And I need it because if I don't have a job, I'm going to have a problem surviving. And that, that to me creates a really, I don't have solutions. I don't know what the answers are, but that could create real problems. I don't know. Yeah, I think the whole education system could be a lot, like a lot better the way it's set up. It's like they haven't evolved it in like hundreds of years. Correct. And right. like instead of like going off this like old fashioned curriculum mm-hmm. and te- and like that bases level of intelligence on grades. Like we all learn differently. We all have our like our own talents and like maybe teaching kids how to learn. Um, like nurturing their ideas, exploring topics of their creativity and compassion, social skills, mental well-being, social media as well, and how to use it properly. And like instead of like this, this is like regimented thing. Like my my teachers didn't even really know what mental illness was, and they were like, "You're doing so good," and I'm like, "I'm not." Yeah, I think they could. The, the education system could be something that is needing to be worked on. And with the rise of social media, it's important to educate children on this because they're they're going to be like the future of our world. And if they have attention spans of like three seconds and are in constant competition and not wanting to really learn and want to just become internet brands, in, yeah. I mean, almost all influencers they are basically like obviously like the center of it all. Yeah, at, and it's my brand. Here are my thoughts. Here's what I think. That's what they're getting paid for. I mean, they have a brand, mm-hmm. whatever they, they can influence. But you could imagine how that, yeah, that might be, that could be problematic. But maybe you're you're an old soul and I'm just old. And maybe we're just like curmudgeony, all these kids, these, and it always works out until it doesn't, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would at one point wanted to become like an influencer where I spent like a year and a half posting every single day on social media. Like I wasn't posting mindless things, but I was I was posting educational content about like different things and like health and well being, and it was exhausting mm-hmm. trying to like chase this thing of like I want to have freedom to be like an influencer, mm-hmm. and I think social media is very powerful if you use it as a tool to better the world and rather than bring people down. But yeah, it's easy to get stuck in like nihilistic thought patterns of like we're doomed social media is horrible sure. advertising <laughs> makes us feel like we're not good enough i think all of these are tools that can be used in a good way mm-hmm. but can be very dangerous if not i mean th- it's so weird when you think about it it's, it's it, how can you not turn to it it's literally in your pocket for most people yeah not even on your just your laptop it's in your pocket and you've got to use that for other things anyway it's saying to like an alcoholic there's just booze everywhere and you've got to use that as a tool to do things, but you can't just actually drink it. It's like, yeah, not going to drink it. Yeah. It's like the content creation versus consumption. Mm -hmm. We can use it to create things, but when you're in a place of like darkness, it's really hard to find that spark of creativity. Do you have a go-to YouTube channel or TikTok space or whatever else? Like when you're in a shitty mood? On YouTube, I guess I like to learn things. So there's like a, a channel called like Pursuit of Wonder. And I'm interest, interested in, I guess it's controversial, but like Jordan Peterson, he explains depression very well. I like Lex Friedman on podcasts. I like to read. Mm. What are you reading right now? I'm reading The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And I'm also reading a few nonfiction books like Stephen Hawking's History of Time. I'm reading this this book about mushrooms and fungi. Mm-hmm. And I think psychedelics is a really important, uh, interesting topic 
when it comes to trying to find alternative ways to heal as well. Sure, 100%. You wonder if we didn't have medication, and medication could be a very good thing, but you wonder if we didn't have it, might we? We have. We would have to kind of find other ways within like community to heal. Right. And you also wonder, we also wonder maybe because there's some very powerful people that make a lot of money with medication, control the narrative out there a little bit. Like It's definitely bias. And yeah, they make a lot of money from people being sick. You don't see like massive blast commercials at the Super Bowl about sitting around a campfire. So who knows that you're talking to me? One friend. What did they say when you uh, when you told them? They were like a bit confused. Yeah. A bit thinking like, uh, is this going to be helpful? Is this like just going to be doom and gloom? <laughs> talking about there, there is definitely some doom and gloom here, Georgia. Yeah. I'm a pretty doomy guy. I think it's important to embrace like the darkness as well as the light. Like if too many messages are around like love and light only like good vibes only and um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a false betrayal and it's not allowing you to feel the darkness too and the darkness can be powerful like mm-hmm. it can be like the the point where you get to, to, in such darkness that you're like i have to do something about this i have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. or not have to i think the words have to should are words that make you feel like you need to do something and there's pressure but like you could change that language into I get to. You could do that, sure. Yeah. I mean, you could argue to some degree things like loneliness. You feel that way for a reason. And one argument is, dude, you got to make a change. There's yeah. a reason you feel that way. Like it's not. It's not just a coincidence. It's just like a random thing that happens. Like if you're not breathing and you start to like feel shitty from that. No, this is there's something saying not feeling good about this. Maybe you need to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard to bridge the gap. So very hard. It can be hard. Yeah. It's like I want to make a change. Okay. Where do you go from there? Yeah. And then you go back online because it's right there and makes sense to do it. But then you might that might be the same dangerous rabbit hole stuff. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I delete social media. And I don't know if it's helpful or not to delete it. Because as as long as you're aware of like this is not real life, I think it's it's you can use it in a way that doesn't really affect you, but I find comparing myself all the time. And it's, it's kind of ironic that I've made so many videos about like comparing yourself to people and I'm still struggling with it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. A couple other questions. This has come up a little bit already, but do you have any specific myths around any of this stuff that you want to dispel? Um, I think a myth is that, that prevention doesn't work. I believe that all mental illnesses can be prevented Mm. with like early intervention with the right treatment. Like I think if I was like when I was 12 and I was starting to show severe signs of depression and I got the right help and someone would be able to recognize within me of like, oh, she's been pretty traumatized by some events that have happened in her childhood. Maybe we can work through that. Maybe, Maybe I wouldn't have turned or spiraled in so many other ways now. But I think a lot of people think that prevention doesn't really work and that it's going to just happen anyway. Mm. Um, but I think it can definitely soften the blow. I just hope that when I make it through this, that maybe I thought about like working with children sometimes to be able to recognize this within them and try to uh, get them help before it spiraled into something more. Because as kids, it's like your brain is just absorbing everything and 
if it's absorbing some like negative things or things that have impacted them, it can really, really shape you your whole life. And I think it would be very powerful if someone can recognize that within a child and be like, okay, something's not quite right. Let's do something about it. When you say prevention, you mean the mental illness and the consequences, what comes from that. Is that correct? Yeah. Do you think it's possible, and this is not a loaded question, to have no suicides? Is that impossible? I think nothing's impossible. I think that we all have a sense of us inside of us that wants, that thinks about it sometimes, even if it's like fleeting. But I think it could be vastly reduced. Mm. I'm not sure if it, if it could be completely eliminated, but I think it definitely could be just vastly reduced. It's like the second leading cause of death in like young people. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. Now, if you had a magic wand, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the first thing you would do? Or maybe, I don't know if it's the first thing or maybe kind of the most important thing you would do to help to, to make that happen. Let's, I'll use the word prevent suicide, though. I'm not sure that's exactly what I'm asking, but I'll say it like that. Yeah. I think community is the thing that comes into my head, but it's, I don't know how, a, how I would create that because you have to connect with different people on different points at where they're at. And so if you create like community centers, there's going to be a lot of people who just don't do, just don't go to it because it's like seen as weird mm. or just not something they're interested in. If I had a magic wand. Wait, do you have a magic wand? I mean, maybe we all do. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, I don't. But yeah, it would be something to do with community, something to do with educating people around mental well-being and how to self-regulate. I don't know if you've heard about like reparenting. But it's like where you basically are the parent to yourself that the, the, the mm-hmm. child never had. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's where we learn to like self-regulate. And if you have like major anxiety and you don't know how to deal with it, it, it often spirals <laughs> to something mm-hmm. way more. Yeah, like being your own best friend. It's just important. It sounds, it sounds like really cringy, but it's like how you kind of need to treat yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what myths do you have? Oh, <laughs> who's the interviewer here? <laughs> A lot. Most of the things that come up, I'm like usually nodding my head, like agreeing with their perspective or opinions, but like, yeah, what's, I want to think of one that's like really just stands out to me. I think that the idea, and, and I don't know how many people feel this way, this idea that people who attempt suicide are quitters or anything around that feels off for me. I, I just don't buy it. I just think no. you, you don't get it no. and you're not even listening. So, I mean, if you listened, you'd probably come to the conclusion that it wasn't that way. Yeah. Often people who, who want to commit suicide have tried things to get sure. better. Yeah. And yeah. they see no way out. Yeah. I brought this up in another episode. Uh, you know, there's this film, this show called Ted Lasso on Apple TV. It really, really popular. It happens to be he's a, a, a manager of a football club in England, an American guy. One of the episodes talks about, he finally talks to a therapist after a long time and it comes up that his dad ended his life. And the main idea that that we learn is that he feels like his dad quit. And so therefore, and then it leads into why he lives his life the way he's leading it and it might not be healthy. But I thought, hmm, that's that's all we're getting there about your dad who died. And this is fictional. Mm -hmm. This is someone wrote this. It's not based on anything real. Okay. That seems to be a really narrow kind of shitty message to be sending. 
But yeah, that, that's how it sort of perpetuates, right? Major television show. And that's what you hear. And you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, right. Yeah, quit. Yeah. And then that's going to unconsciously become one of your beliefs, probably. Yeah. Um, I think film is very, is very powerful. I would love to create films and act in films who, which have like a message that can shed light on that. Mm. And like bring more awareness around it and just have like meaningful messages behind it. Because like a lot of people, like the the main way it seems that the world is going in is like through video. And that is where people oh. <laughs> podcasts. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, and podcasts. No, you're right. No, but uh, podcasts are easier and they're much smaller. Uh but yeah, video is massive, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's room for a lot more meaningful films and movies out there <laughs> yeah yeah agreed do you ever dole out advice I do because I on my channel on my YouTube channel I've created like some more like heavy topics before and I get like comments asking me for advice and like sometimes get DMs asking for advice as well Ooh. it's kind of crazy when people ask ask me because I'm like well, who am I to, to tell you like who am I to kind of advise you when I'm in this mm-hmm. hole myself mm-hmm. um, but people have said it's helpful the things that I've said and it c- gives me some kind of purpose even though I'm not making videos really anymore that they're still there that, that, that can help people mm-hmm. but if you're asking me what advice to give I would say if, if like people are suffering like to know that whatever you feel is like entirely valid mm-hmm. and even if people dismiss how you feel or say like just cheer up it gets better that like you're allowed to feel your emotions and that they aren't wrong or make you weird. The human body is like an incredible thing that is trying to just keep us safe often. And it comes out in the form of mental illness. So I'd advise like just cast aside the high expectations that you might hold and comparing yourself to other people. Like you can only do your best in each moment with what you have. And I think this, this quote is, is quite shallow if you think if when you just hear it, but actually and you might interpret it as like, oh, I can only do my best in each moment. And that is like the same amount of best. But that is very different and it just, at each point in your life. Like right now, I have like almost no friends around me. I'm not taking care of myself properly. I have negative thought loops, carrying around a lot of shit. And therefore, what like I can do now compared to what I could do when I had a lot of positive friends. I had a goal, eating, sleeping well with not many worries, like uh, that's going to be very different as to what my best in that moment is going to be. Give yourself space, patience, compassion. It's like understanding. It's it's so freaking easy to like get, go down the rabbit hole of these negative thought loops. It just grows and grows and grows. It becomes like an automatic nervous system response of like instant negativity, which I struggle with a lot. Like if, if you want to get better, it would be positive to kind of strengthen the positive thought loops and like keeping a notebook of like even tiny, tiny positive things. It could literally be like spending, I spent 30 seconds looking out my window at the sun and I enjoyed the warmth of the sun on my face. Yeah, that would help if you followed through with it. I would wonder what this world would look like if we prioritized mental and physical well-being rather than like the mass governing bodies and companies being swayed by money and rather than having people's best interests at heart like I really like to know what that looks like and if it's even possible because as you said before the medications industries like multi-billion dollars and people make money from people being ill advertising tv 
to depict like a lack within ourselves to make people we aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Then we need to chase things. Then we need to do mm-hmm. things to be validated. And it's like based on lies that hack our psychology. Yeah. Good luck. If you even question for a moment, capitalism, people just flip out. It's like, hang on. God forbid yeah. you just question this the greatest invention of mankind. Oh no, I question everything. <laughs> That's probably one of my problems. No, but with 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 capitalism and free market stuff in particular, I think there's a sense of like if you question it at all, you're just so naive. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. I yeah. think we need to like uh, be able to think for ourselves more rather than just take things as how it is. It's like, oh, that's that's how it is. So okay, rather than just being like, hang on. I'm going to question this for a second, even if it's like, okay, even if it's right. Sure. So like question it. Thinking is good mm. sometimes. Last question I have is uh, you said that you're in an area where there's not much to do. I know the sun is shining today. So there's some kids around. What's your day like specifically today or yesterday? What did you do? I mean, today I got up really late because I went to sleep really late. I woke up and felt a lot of pain in my body and my mind and I didn't want to get up because it's like the the mental illness or whatever it is like it literally manifests in my body and it makes me feel literally like I'm dead in the morning Mm. or (laughs) so I don't want to get up because my body aches so much my head aches I feel quite sick and tired and just I get this sense of dread every time I wake up it's like, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> I have to do something now. <laughs> and I often spend like many hours just mulling over thoughts, which is so not helpful. I don't recommend it to anyone to like, instead of like mulling over and what's, what's the word? Rumination to just like kind of get up. But that's like what I did is I got up at like 12 mm-hmm. and I, I went to my window and I read a bit of a book called Mastery. Uh, it's quite interesting about the different levels of uh, how people learn. And then I, I've really done nothing. I ate a smoothie and I need to do some editing of a video. But yeah, I, it's, my days are not very thrilling. Mm. There's a lot of things I could be doing, but don't because I get overwhelmed at the tiniest things. And I know that's like, it's understandable why I do. Uh, but it just makes it hard to do anything because I get so overwhelmed and paralyzed by mm-hmm. just the thought of like, what can I eat for lunch? And I'm like, <laughs> like it's just everything is just so overwhelming. And then when I have the expectations for myself to be successful in some way, like I want to create films and I'm not taking the steps to do it, which puts on more pressure. Yeah, I just feel like I should be doing all these different things, even though I know it's, I know I know it's not rational to put hold so much pressure for yourself. It's exhausting. It's super exhausting. Yeah. What else would you like to share before we get back to our super exciting lives? You're looking at that list, huh? Yeah, I have it on the notes in the phone, so it's not like a piece of paper. I see. It's like I find if I when I, I love to write, I love writing, and I hope to write like a, a book of short stories. And it's something that I'm working on now. Although I find my creativity comes in like the middle of the night and very sporadically, it's not structured at all. I notice like different, the thoughts that come up is just so much about like community and stuff. It's just like, I crave it so much. When the question of like, do you regret anything? I want to say no, 
because like even like the huge mistakes, which I've made so many massive mistakes in my short life so far. Um, and like having raw and horrific experiences like shapes who we are. And I guess regrets are like interesting to have because it's like, it's totally useless. It, you can't change the past at all. It's like, yeah. I used to have regrets and then I was just like, why am I regretting things? It doesn't make sense to regret things. But why do we then? There's a reason why they're there. It must have served something. It must be because kind of, it's kind of like beating yourself up. Um, but I guess that the, the biological function would be like, I just don't want to do this again, would mm-hmm. be the, the reason why we regret stuff. Uh, but apart from that, it's just like a self-sabotaging thing to have. But regret. with the, the experiences, you'd yeah. I'll just be, I guess, a much more empathetic and more aware person than if I didn't go through immense suffering with yeah. the, the darkness and the intense like discomforts of the mind and body. I guess it can produce creations creativity artists and musicians have created from their like most horrendously dark places which i hold so much respect for them because it's really hard to get yourself to do things when you're in that space Um, it it depends i think some some illnesses manifest differently right so if you're bipolar sometimes they go on these long highs and they get a lot done and so really it just varies i mean my favorite artist is definitely we say van gogh you might say van gogh but man, that guy, I learned a little bit about him and mm, he struggled hard, but he, he got did. Of, you know. He did. His legacy lives on. Yeah. yeah sure. If that's a thing. Yeah. That matters. Yeah. I, I think legacy is a really weird thing too. Sometimes we crave it. <laughs> yeah. I never had any. So I'll just be like, I hope you're okay. I hope you're well. I hope you don't feel like shit. Yeah. I hope so too. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for having, having me on. It was nice to, nice to meet you. Indeed, likewise. Georgia in England. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Georgia across the pond in England. Thank you, Georgia. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Suicide Noted. And I will also include in the show notes links to how you can leave us a recorded message. We would love to hear you. As well as a new community that we recently began and it might be something you'd like to take part in. Anyhow, check out the show notes for that. And that is all for episode number 114. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.